Hello, dreamers. If I was famous enough to have a cult following, I assume that's what they'd be called. Dreamers or sleepyheads, maybe. Anyway, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livinthedream506. But most importantly, keep listening and let me know what you think. My guest today is the guitarist for the band King Buffalo. Their new album, Dead Star, is out now. Please give it up for Sean McVeigh. This is Sean McVeigh from King Buffalo, and I am living the dream. Sean McVeigh, the guitarist of King Buffalo, guitarist, singer, producer. What what would you consider your title? What would you call yourself? That that's pretty accurate. Um, the only record I didn't fully produce was uh, "Longing to Be the Mountain," our cool. second most recent one. But yeah, cool. So you guys formed in 2013. Do you think you could give us? A, I love the story of how you guys started. So do you think you could give us a quick history and a little background of yourself? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, Rochester is a pretty small city, so we were all sort of in the scene together um, in, in different bands. Me and Dan, the bass player, were actually in a, in a band before King Buffalo. We were in a band together. And Scott was in another band uh, with other friends of ours. And um, their band had some inter-band inter, inter things happen, and uh, they, they broke up. Um, right before they were going to release a new record and go on tour. Uh, so to try and honor those tour dates, uh, Scott asked me and Dan if we wanted to fill in uh, on guitar and um, bass, respectively, to do those dates. Um, there was also a fourth member, there, another member of Scott's old band was also uh, playing with us at the time, and we were going to do that tour. But instead of actually really rehearsing the songs, we were... Uh, we were just writing and that's what we came up with that first demo and it all happened really fast uh, we started jamming and then what a month to six four to six weeks later we were on tour uh for that first tour and you know we fought over a name for a while and came up with king buffalo and that's just the rest is history so what's, what's the origin of the name how did you guys come up with that uh, dude, uh, <laughs> uh, totally not that interesting. We, um, we made a giant list on a whiteboard of like 50 band names. And then, uh, like I said, there was four of us at the time. We each took turns crossing off like four names that we hated until we got down to a top 
three or four or whatever. Uh, and then it was like, okay, now we have to choose between these. And then uh, we were almost called Martha Dump Truck. That was one that like everyone, <laughs> everyone kept thinking someone else was going to cross Martha Dump Truck off of the uh, off of the list, but no one ever did because we just thought it was funny and just kind of like a daring someone else to cross it off. It was like, oh, there's no one, but it made the it made the final cut of, of <laughs> decisions. But now we just ended up settling on King Buffalo. There's no cool story behind it. We just thought the imagery of sort of a shaman dude was kind of interesting and went with it. Didn't really think it through. Nice. So that first tour, was that by yourself? Uh, actually, it was touring with all them witches for a bunch of the dates. Um, uh, Scott had met them on the road years ago, and it was right. I don't even know if their second record, Lightning at the Door, I don't even know if it was released yet. Um, I know they like picked up the CDs, I think, like right beforehand. So it, we were, you know, it was pretty cool. Uh, we we're both extremely like fledgling sort of, we borrowed my uncle's RV and the two bands piled in and we just sort of slummed it around the country. And then, you know, then thing, really awesome things happened for them. And uh, now they are where they are. It's pretty cool. So did you guys know the guys in that band beforehand? Uh, like I said, Scott had met them on the road with his old band. Um, okay. In the, you know, again, really early days, you know, I think they, they, had just uh right around the time of their first record i think is when he met them and then uh, you know it's one of those things you know you meet a group of people and you know you never know like oh we're gonna meet up with this band i hope it you know i hope we like each other we're about to pile in an rv together you never know what to expect and um it was really cool like you know right off the bat it was like oh yeah we're we're gonna get along great it was really cool nice any stories from that tour uh can I swear, by the way? I didn't ask. You can that. say whatever you want. Okay. Well, I I'm not, not that I have a big potty mouth, but I did <laughs> fuck up my uncle's RV pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> um, we like ripped the yawning off. Uh, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of that sort of stuff of like differing, different people uh, driving and not doing a great job. Um, we blew out a tire on our trailer going like 80 miles an hour in Mississippi and had to you know someone luckily someone pulled over on like a service road and drove us to get a new tire it was you know that's just a lot of that sort of stuff you know road trials but it was interesting nice uh have you toured with any bands like that since then that you really enjoyed working with oh yeah um i mean all, all we've been really lucky honestly all the bands we've toured with um we've gotten along really well with and i would say like now i consider consider them like friends for life you know it's kind of like uh going to war or something not that i ever have but i guess i shouldn't equate that i don't know uh, <laughs> but uh you know it's like trial by fire you know you just you really get to know someone when you're in such close quarters with them for a long time um elders another band we've done a couple tours with and you know we absolutely love those guys uh did a tour with the sword um trying to think of other bands i don't i think those are the only bands we've actually toured with yeah um we've obviously played shows with thousands of bands and we've had you know some were really great relationships some were just like okay you know yeah are there any bands that you just absolutely love to tour with oh yeah there's a there's a i mean as it stands right now we don't really have like uh the budget to be able to like bring another band on the road but we have you know we have a little list going in our in our 
in our band of like, oh, we really want to tour with them. Um, we did a few dates with a band from Texas called Think No Think. That was great. Um, a band from Nashville called Ogan Alley. That's awesome. Um, Atsuko Chiba out of Montreal. They're really good. Uh, Handsome Jack is a lo- uh, kind of local. They're about an hour away. They're from Buffalo. Uh, a great sort of, I think they call themselves like Boogie Soul Band, but they're kind of just a classic rock band. Really good. Right. Um, I'm sure I'm missing other bands right now, but uh, I didn't really think to prepare the list ahead of time. But <laughs> if you had a genie in a bottle and you could tour with one band, who would it be? Uh, like if we were opening up for that band? Yeah. Um, I would say probably Primus um, would be nice. awesome. Uh, Tool would be great. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, those are two easy ones, I think. Yeah. So the new album, uh, Dead Star, is there some is there some Tool influence on that? Uh, well, we're certainly. Um, I know me and the drummer Scott are certainly Tool fans. Um, I wouldn't say we like went out of our way to you know oh let's do an ode to tool but there's you know like we've been listening to tool for many years so i'm sure yeah. it crept into our it's crept into our playing and, and our styles yeah I, I i found some of the the tastes of it in the first couple tracks on dead star i could i could really i could hear the influence maybe whether it was sub subconscious or whatever but yeah yeah i mean they're definitely you know uh especially like Danny Carey's like one of the best drummers ever, you know? So right. uh, you know, there's a lot to, lot to uh, look up to there. And so, yeah. For sure. So the new album, how do you feel about it? Great. Uh, I mean, it was extremely, I guess a little bit turbulent of a process to make for us. Um, kind of tried to do the whole thing during the holiday season that just passed, you know, and, November, December, uh, which was just like, we had just gotten back from tour. It was kind of, it was kind of stressful. Um, and we did a lot of new things on the record. So it kind of pushed, pushed us in certain ways. Um, but now that it's out, you know, I can look back on it. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm really, we're really proud of it. Um, super stoked on it to now we just got to figure out how to translate some of this stuff live. Yeah. Like, with all the all the layers and stuff i'm like what what's your plan for that um well certain songs will be easier than others um i kind of i guess ironically the longer more involved arrangements will tend to be easier to do live i think um some of the shorter songs rely a little more on like extra guitar layers and stuff so those might be a little more difficult um but I'm not sure if those really translate in general to live, you know, like a energy of a rock show. So, um, I mean, both me and Dan, uh, play synth as well, uh, with our feet during the show. Um, so we're able to trigger, you know, different layers and stuff with our feet while we're playing uh, and singing. So, uh, that should help fill it out quite a bit. Yeah. So in the process of recording this, did you guys do anything like completely different than before? Yeah. Uh, so the whole record for me on guitar is in an alternate tuning, um, <laughs> which I kind of did on purpose just to try to get me to kind of break out of a couple. Um, I felt like I was kind of re- re- doing a lot of the same things over and over again. So I was like, oh, let's see if I can break 
break out of that. Um, nothing too crazy of a tuning, but uh, so that that's one of them. Um, obviously, we did a song that's pretty much all electronic outside of a couple guitar layers. That's something we've never done before. Uh, what else did we do? Oh, so I guess, I mean, this is might, might be a little too much like shop talk, um, but for, for Red Star 1 and 2, um, we wrote that. That's really the only song on the record that we wrote like as a long jam together. Um, and then to record the thing, because I was still unsure of what I was going to do with a lot of my effects and everything. Um, we didn't want to track it fully live and then be stuck with these effects that I couldn't change after the fact on guitar. So we, we actually did, since we wanted the whole thing to have sort of an, uh, an, an authentic feel, sort of like a, like a live flow, we tracked it live. Um, I built a really long tempo map with all of the tempo changes that we would do live. And then we recut everything individually to this crazy tempo map, uh, which is pretty interesting. I, I mean, I don't know if any, maybe no one else finds that interesting. And just, I guess. No, it's cool. <laughs> For the tuning, it, it did sound a little, little deeper. Like, did you just drop it a full step go uh, from there? So we're always down a full step. Uh, all our records, okay. a lot of the time we're in drop C. Okay. Most of our songs are in Dropsy. Um, and then we have a few songs in D standard. And then for this album, we did D standard, but I took what would be, so uh, the third string, which would be a G in, in standard tuning, what would be the G? It's usually for us an F, but I actually put it back up to G. So I couldn't, like all the power chord shapes, everything was different, um, but it allowed for some interesting, I was able to do some droning stuff with it in easier positions and, um yeah cool did you guys use any new new gear or anything like amps or pedals to get a different sound and different microphones or anything um a couple new pedals um some of which are still in my pedal board some of them are back out already and it's kind of i don't even remember even here uh where on the record um there's a couple spots maybe where there's really thick uh wall of guitar stuff that maybe was just tracked like layered up with different overdrive and fuzz pedals um i'm trying to think of anything else uh oh actually yeah the coolest piece of gear we had on this record um is uh there's a company out of buffalo called lightning boy audio and they make guitar pedals and rack gear for studios um and he has uh, a channel strip that he's kind of testing out on different things and um we used that on pretty much the whole record and it was fantastic as like a tube driven channel strip. Um, I used it on drums, used it on vocals, basically everything went through this channel strip at some point. Um, it added a lot of really cool, uh, like sort of tube analog character to a lot of things. Really versatile. Uh, it's called a Trinity, uh, Trinity channel strip. It was really cool. Nice. Yeah. I you can kind of feel a little bit more warmth to, to the entire album. That's why I was kind of asking that and kind of alluding to that area of things. And we did actually have someone else mix it. Um, that's okay. the, the first record of ours that's been mixed by someone else. Um, wow. Our uh, front of house guy, Grant Hustleman, um, since we were on a bit of a time crunch to get it done. And I was so stressed out through like the producing and recording and arranging of it that I was like, I, I can't, I can't mix this. There's no way 
you know, I, I'm too close to it right now. Grant, can you do this? And he did, he did an amazing job. Um, so, yeah. Nice. So the lyrics and stuff, where, where do you come up with, like, you describe a lot of scenes and like, kind of like worldly lyrics and stuff like that. Is there a common theme across all albums that you try to stick to? Or is it like different album to album? Um, I mean, I'd say it's different album to album, but it's definitely kind of always, you know, King Buffalo ish. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, each record I try to have one sort of cohesive story or, or theme for, for the whole record. Um, and they all kind of pull from different things of kind of what's going on in either my life or in the world or things like that. Yeah. And you reference like, like, well, stars and stuff like that. And just space references, cosmology. Is there a, is there a reason for that? Um, I mean, we, I think space is really cool. Uh, fucking, fucking right. It is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, um, it's sort of, it, the thing that's nice about it is there's so many obviously so many different aspects to the cosmos that you can use a lot of different things as metaphors for other things you know like a lot of stuff is readily available um to to sort of and and analogize analogize and you know <laughs> uh make so yeah and uh it was cool i kind of as we were so we wrote a lot of the music stuff like the instrumental beds um and then I have to come up with sort of the theme for the record and everything. And as I was going through, I'm looking, you know, I do a lot of research on different things. And um, I was like, oh, okay, well, this could be, uh, I think Dead Star was the first idea I had. Either Dead Star or Red Star, uh, as just as far as like a song title, I thought it was interesting. And um, yeah, uh, everything kind of started to fall into place from there. Once I have sort of like a, a goal of what I want to get to, like a, a glue to tie everything together, then I can start to piece all the pieces of the puzzle.
So why Dead Star? What specifically about that drew um, you to it? Well, I kind of like, I mean, I think this, this, this album in general is kind of like our darkest, like both sonically and lyrically um, in, in certain ways. And, and a lot of it was, it was pretty disheartened. I mean, uh, especially especially now, the world is a pretty like scary, sucky place. <laughs> right. Um, and, but even at the time, you know, it just with, uh, there's just so much going on, um, particularly, you know, in the United States and the world that's just really dis disheartening. And um, I kind of, you know, Dead Star is, I guess, kind of like a, like a, sort of like telling the story of what's happening now from the future. Okay. Sense. Yeah, cool. So, what where do you see the future how are things where you are um well i mean at home they're great you know i have a really good right. home life my family life is great um globally and politically it's a much different story um yeah way scarier uh, and horrifying um and enraging and frustrating but yeah the timing was kind of shitty for you guys because you just finished an album getting ready to go tour it and then that's when everything sort of fell apart yeah so, yeah yeah i mean like sorry like what's going on what's going on now like what's the plan are you writing again it's kind of the time when you're supposed to have a break from writing you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean initially <clears throat> i mean our plan was actually yesterday i think would have been our last tour date um for our spring tour um so we had to reschedule cancel postpone our entire spring tour and you know, uh, that really sucks. Um, I don't want to, things are hard for everyone everywhere right now. I don't want to like say, well, poor, poor King Buffalo, you know, they're not able to go travel and play music. You know, at, there are a lot of people that can't work a lot of people that are sick and, you know, losing loved ones. So I don't want to like trivialize what anyone else is going through. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, a you know, it was, it was scary leading up to it. And I guess, you know, if I had to say one thing that I feel lucky for, for us was that we weren't on the road when it happened. You know, we know bands that were on the road when this all hit. And I couldn't imagine if we were across the continent, you know, if we were on the West coast and all of a sudden everything shut down, you know, we got to figure out how to fund our way back home, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, we're we're probably working. We're I mean, we're starting to work on writing some stuff, which we had some ideas left over from some of the writing sessions from uh, Dead Star that we're kind of looking back through. And it's the early, I mean, it's really early in the process now, but we're we're starting to kick around some ideas. And um, we right before the full lockdown and kind of anticipation, we recorded uh, um, a live set in our practice space that we're releasing bit by bit throughout some of this, just to release you know have something to release here and there throughout the the shutdown cool what's the writing process like for you guys uh it depends a, a lot of them uh usually i guess like the that's the typical model is the three of us will kind of just jam and we record all of our jam sessions um and then i'll take them home and i'll listen through everything and be like okay well out of that 25 minute jam this three minutes was great and this other one you know and start piecing stuff together whittling stuff um 
and they'll bring it start cutting cut a thing cutting things up and sending it to the band and be like what do you guys think of this let's try this next time and uh stuff like that so that's sort of the the foundation um we're starting to tweak things a little more and to try some other things some of the songs on dead star were actually sort of fully written by me at home and then i brought them to the band after um that's echo of a waning star uh, echo of a waning star uh dead star anita um Actually, a lot of it was kind of arranged by me at home. And then this is this section, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Do you guys do anything to get into a particular mindset when you're jamming? Like, I know you guys are kind of cornered as a stoner rock band, but I, I think I've also heard you say that's not really big in your lifestyle. No. Um, no, I mean, we don't really, you know, when I was, when I was younger, like, yeah, we, I would say I was a pothead for many years. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't know. Uh, actually, I mean, I guess in a personal, it's starting to give me more anxiety than anything. I don't know if this is all just too strong. So, um, yeah, we we just kind of get together and play now. Um, we don't really um, – I know, I, like, our, our, our bass player and drummer, they don't smoke at all, you know. So I'm, yeah. I'm really the only one that here and there occasionally. But I always kind of felt – when that was also becoming a thing, I thought it was kind of weird and uncomfortable to be the only one getting high, you know, right. And I kind of, then you kind of feel like, am I, am I messing up? Is it me? You know, <laughs> And it um, probably is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was just kind of, you know, I found it. It's not really, really, it's not when the best work gets done anyways, you know, right. um, it can be, it can be fun and nice for certain, certain tasks and certain types of sessions, but for the most part, it's not, I don't think, at least not for me, it doesn't lead to great results. Yeah. When you're writing, do you just write for King Buffalo or do you sit down with an acoustic sometimes? Like I know we spoke before this and you said most of the stuff you write is very effects driven and kind of ambient and stuff. It doesn't really translate to acoustic, but do you, like I see the acoustic behind you, do you grab yeah. them and write yeah, I, other stuff? Actually, so Dead Star and Echo of a Waning Star were 100% written on an acoustic guitar um, and other records it's definitely you know there's always a, a bunch of songs that are just stuff I've wrote on acoustic guitar and then translated to the full band via electric um, yeah definitely a lot of times with guys in your position writing a lot like there's a, like acoustic side projects or things like that do you have any any music that is only acoustic that you'll ever release in that sense um uh i guess i don't want to ever say never um i don't know if it's enough of like my i don't know if i would have enough material to like release a full record of just acoustic stuff um and honestly i guess right now i'm definitely more into like synth stuff like a like sort of atmospheric uh electronic music stuff um, but I don't know. I, I always have all these goofy ideas, you know, of like, Oh, I want to make a funk album. And then I never do, you know, like, <laughs> I just get all these, you know, goofy impulses that sometimes I act on. And most of the time I don't. What are you listening to? Do you listen to a lot of synth stuff? Like, um, yeah, I get, honestly, lately I just listen to a lot of podcasts and talk radio. Uh, <laughs> but as far as music, I, I, I listen to, I mean, an obvious one, you know, John Carpenter, you know, a lot of like ecliptic on, on the record is a very clear ode to 
that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I like a lot of the Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross stuff. It's fantastic, especially their soundtrack work is incredible. Um, with the Watchmen soundtrack in particular, like really blew my mind. Uh, there is a there's a great electronic group. I don't know if it's a group or if it's one guy called Hadron Orchestra. Um, it's really cool stuff, sort of uh, cinematic, atmospheric, sort of electronic music. Um, like a lot of the, I'm get, kind of digging more and more into like 90s trip hop, uh, Massive Attack and Portishead and uh, classics, uh, Boards of Canada, you know, that sort of stuff. Nice. What did you think of the new Nine Inch Nails Ghost albums? Did you get a chance to check I, those out? I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, no. Uh, but is it good should i oh it's it's incredible i I love the like you said i love the soundtrack work that they do together and the previous four uh ghost albums were awesome i love when a band takes just like ideas and i i was lucky enough to catch nine inch nails on that tour and they they layered in some of the ghost album stuff and it was just very very ambient and scenic and they had the triple silk screen so they were able to kind of paint a picture for you i remember one of the one of the tracks they had the back silk screen was like a road and trees and things like that the next one was weather it was like rain and then the the third silk screen was a windshield and it was fogging up as they were like the scene was building with the music and i just found that just to be incredible yeah that sounds really cool i i'm I can't only imagine what that looks like. That sounds like it was awesome. Yeah, it was for sure. What's your, uh, what's your stage setup like, like for lights and things like that at this point? What do you guys go with for uh, visuals? Uh, just whatever the venue has really at this point. Um, yeah, we, we don't have any production that we really bring around with us. Uh, the stuff we would eventually really like to do. Um, and in the past, we've sort of dabbled, especially early on when we were playing a lot of sort of really small sort of crappy clubs with nothing. Um, we were, we had, uh, so our bass player, Dan, works for like an industrial, he works for an industrial lighting company. I think that's what they would, they would classify them as. That's his day job. So he's pretty knowledgeable um, with that sort of thing. So we rigged up rope LED lights into our amps and around the kick drum. And he was able to control them to get them to do all sorts of different stuff. So we used to bring that around with us when, uh, when we were playing a lot of like really, you know, like 50 person rooms uh, and like a diner, you know, that sort of crap. Right. Where there was like no lights of any kind. Um, excuse me. But it just got to be a little too much, uh, especially like, um, you know, he's, he's playing synth with his feet and, and I, I'm doing synth guitar vocals and i was also doing my own vocal effects for a while so it was just it was kind of getting to be a lot especially uh when we found i think we stopped right before we did a, a tour with the sword that that first tour with the sword um because it was you know they're playing bigger rooms we were all of a sudden in bigger rooms and on a bigger stage it just looked dinky so <laughs> we, we were just better off using what the venue has at that point just basically we just tell the lighting guy to go as crazy as he wants to go. <laughs> right. So as a producer though, you must have a vision for every single aspect of the music. Like if, if budget wasn't a concern, what would the production look like for you on stage? Oh, I would love to have, you know, a, a projectionist um, to do 
to do some sort of thing mixed in with some, you know, lights and lasers. And I thought uh, a few years ago I saw uh, I saw Tool, and I thought their 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 stage show was phenomenal because it it was actually pretty minimal, but it was really tasteful and powerful the way they did it. You know, um, seen some bands that have like every light ever, and yeah. while it's cool, it, it tends to be a little too much. Um, so I, I couldn't, I don't know. There's, I mean, if budget was no issue, I think we would do all sorts of crazy stuff, but it is. <laughs> Someday. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's actually, it's kind of interesting. A quick subject change is occasionally I'll, I'll take up, I'll take a, a shift here. There, there's a, a big venue in town um, and they get a lot of big shows um, and I'll, occasionally bartend some of these shows just to pick up some extra side cash um and what's really interesting is to see all these edm shows that come through because the the light shows are insane you know and it's like it's literally it's i really appreciate the fact that they're like spending like so much money on the production of these shows when it's, it's literally just a guy like pushing play on his laptop a lot of times so it's like Sweet. there's there's not a like there's not a like you know they don't have a full band to play they don't have like guitar techs drum techs you know all this stuff it's like yeah just go up there you know do the thing but like i think i saw i'm trying to remember the name a bartender of the show and i've never seen more lights in my life ever no matter what like judas priest played this place and it wasn't even close like <laughs> i think there was i think there was like like a thousand laser beams at one point like just it was mind-blowing but yeah it's like as much light as the lot the eye can possibly take in at one moment yeah yeah it was <laughs> it was completely insanely over the top but it was you know as as someone who's not a huge fan of like electronic dance music like i like electric electronic music a lot i'm not big into like rave the dancing thing um so i don't really appreciate like the music of it but like the production i was like i could bartend with my earplugs in and Jesus. <laughs> you don't remember who it was though, eh? Uh yeah, it was um uh excision. Is that a is that a guy? Yeah, excision? that sounds right. Yeah, he's like not a huge name, but he's up and coming. He's definitely uh skyrocketing upwards. And I think part of it is like he's like to get his name like going he's got these crazy because i've seen like bass nectar there who's like one of them right. you know, and steve aoki and like they have big shows too but like this was like blew them out of the water as far as production it was crazy yeah i saw i saw bass nectar at a music festival in i think it was 2014 and it was, like you said it's just it's one guy and then the production and the lights is just insane yeah. and it, the lasers, you almost can't look at it because it's probably not good for your eyes. Yeah, sometimes you got to look away. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw Tool two or three years ago. And that's, like you said, it, it wasn't too much. It was all projection and like all that cool graphics that they typically go with. And it, yeah, and it, then it's really it, well-placed spots. And yeah, um, I think the biggest sort of, like they had that laser, I don't know if they had the laser pyramid. I think it was probably the same tour. Yeah. That, yeah, that big laser pyramid that came out towards the end there, yeah. that, like right over the crowd. Like that was cool. And it, again, that's really not that nowadays. It's not that crazy or, you know, right. Uh, complicated. So I don't know. I thought it was really cool what they did with not a whole lot. Yeah. It complements the music 
but it doesn't draw the attention away from it, which is what I, I found obviously perfect. And they do everything perfect anyway. So you can, you can trust what they're going to give you. Yeah. Yeah. They do a good job. They've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. I don't know if you're into Radiohead, but they also have a really cool, um, I call it lasers, but it almost looks holographic what they do on stage sometimes. Like it's like a three dimensional light setup. And, um, I think it was their song, The Tourist, when I saw them two years ago. And it looked like a 3D planet was rotating above the stage. It was, it was awesome, too. Yeah, I'm a huge Radiohead fan. I've never seen them live, unfortunately. But yeah, they're definitely on the list of bands I want to see. Yeah. So what, what else is new with the, the new album? Is there anything else you'd like to talk about with the new album? Um. I don't know. I guess whatever. What do you want to talk? About? I did read a funny review of it recently from um, Let's hear I it. stumbled across, uh, which I, I I I still it's kind of stuck in my head. It was actually this morning I stumbled across it. Uh, someone said that the band is great, but the singer sounds too feminine slash beta, which I thought <laughs> was hilarious. And I was like beta, really? Like I, I, interesting. Yeah. All right. You know, I so how does that make you feel? About, I mean, I have so many questions. You know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Number one being is man, like how big is that guy's dick gotta be? You know, <laughs> to call another man beta, I think is just like I, don't know, I could what go a, on and on, and not to get too political, but I think it's just like <laughs> what a power move. Just so dumb. Word beta, <laughs> alpha, the whole alpha beta thing is just vomit inducing. I think if you consider yourself an alpha, that in probably itself not. makes you a beta. Yeah, you're probably not. If you, <laughs> you're probably yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about influences because, and it may not be influences, it may just be coincidence, but, and I think it's the song Ecliptic on the new album. Is It sounded, does, is that the one that's like real uh, the John electronic? Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is there any maybe pink floyd like old pink floyd oh yeah influence um, yeah yeah i mean um i easy like quick answers like pink floyd is my favorite band of all time um, perfect so yeah i you know that's like my desert island band for sure yeah okay that that answers that question <laughs> pretty quick and easy then perfect <laughs> yeah like uh I, I think what it reminded me of was like on, on the run oh yeah yeah which is um, an incredible track. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's my desert Island album. Yeah. Dark side is the Definitely. best album ever made. So there you go. And uh, maybe some black Sabbath a bit too, like in the more heavier stoner rock, like psychedelic stuff. I heard a lot of Sabbath influence maybe. Yeah. I mean, when, uh, you know, obviously we, we all grew up listening to a lot of Sabbath. Uh, when I describe our band, to, you know, the the you know in layman's terms i usually just say like we're rock band sound a lot like pink floyd mashed up with black sabbath if i'm describing uh, it to someone who's not necessarily you know they're not into post rock sub you know like all these crazy yeah terms you just say yeah just, rock band sounds like this yeah definitely well i'm glad i nailed it then yeah you did <laughs> right on man well i don't know when you're going to be back out on the road but i'm really hoping that i get a chance to catch you guys because that new album is incredible 
I'm a big fan of the older stuff too, but then the new album really took it up a notch for me. Well, thank you, man. Um, yeah, I mean, we're monitoring this whole thing. Um, we have a tour that's scheduled for uh, late July, but it's, uh, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't want to say definitely yet, but it's not looking good. Um, we're, you know, there's no point in uh, canceling it until we absolutely know we have to. So we're just riding it out like everyone else. And um, I know some of the headlines have been pretty bleak as far as music goes um one one writer i saw said 2021 which is not awesome no no that's ridiculous <laughs> um, i mean i don't know we just we want everyone to be safe and healthy and we don't want to be contributing to a disaster so yeah if things do go that badly and 2021 is the actual answer. What as a musician will you guys like, will you guys try to get together and do live shows via webcast or like, what is, what is next? If that is the current state of affairs, we would have to figure something out um, like that. Um, we haven't done a live stream yet just because our studio slash rehearsal space uh, is in a really old building and the bandwidth is really bad so we don't know if we could actually pull it off it would just be glitching out all the time but if yeah. if that's going to be the new normal for a year then we're going to have to figure something out um so i don't know we'll see that's why we did that we taped the the film the live session uh yeah right before everything sort of hit so that you know we we'd have something <laughs> right. to be able to to put out um and then we can do it after the fact. It's easy to upload a video than it is to do a live stream sort of thing. Yeah. Any Canadian dates in the future, possibly? Uh, actually, the tour we were supposed to just do had some Canada in there. Um, where in Canada are you? We're on the East Coast in okay, New Brunswick. New Brun okay, I'm not terribly familiar with where New Brunswick is. But um, we were just in uh, Montreal, not too far not too long ago, I guess every, I don't know, time feels so crazy lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we get up to Canada quite a bit. Uh, I think we were supposed to go to Toronto uh, this summer. I know we, we had, there were plans for, for Canada as well, even though we just kind of, we get up there every now and then we're not too far. Um, how close are you to Toronto? Toronto is actually further away from us than say like Boston or Portland, Maine. Oh, okay. So you're, you're pretty far East then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're like three hours from Toronto just cause we have to go all the way around the lake. Right. Um, but yeah. And we're like sort of five, six hours from Montreal. Um, yeah. Cool. So you're in Rochester. I, I've actually, I was in Rochester in 2014 at the Harrow East Ballroom. Is that that venue still around? I think it is still around. Uh I don't they don't have a ton of shows there though anymore that is as far as I know. Um actually yeah. so I I did just get a text message from my girlfriend who can hear me in the other room. And <laughs> we were supposed to be in Toronto on June fifth. Oh, cool. I don't know if that actually is I think it's still scheduled. So I I think we're I don't think it's been rescheduled or postponed officially yet. So maybe we'll be in Toronto on June 5th. Nice. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I saw um, Humphreys McGee at the Harrow East in 2014. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think um, I think they uh, they they did. I think more of the shows there are sort of like jam bands, sort of folk, yeah, yeah, uh, folk scene sort of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool room. It's a cool part of town. Yeah, so hopefully, like I say, some either the dates don't get canceled or get some reschedules and I can get to check you guys out on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone's listening, I know, I know I'm pretty pessimistic, so, uh, don't take what I've said as far as like shows <laughs> happening or not happening, um, with hundred percent certainty. It's just me being a pessimist. Uh, we'll announce if and when they do, uh, get postponed or rescheduled or whatever. Hope we're right. hoping they can still happen. It's just with the way the world is right now. Um, it's hard to, be super optimistic exactly yeah nobody knows but we're hoping for the best exactly right on man well thanks a lot for doing this and uh good luck with everything coming up yeah thank you very much thanks for having me it was nice chatting with you chris Live in the dream.